Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, we welcome back the insiders. Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna tell all about the offseason at We Talk Gators. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. The NHRA season is finally set to begin at Gainesville, and we set the table for everything you should pay attention to. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car. Going through the finish line stripe, Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out. And it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Loans. Welcome back to another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Finally, 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 it is a pre-race episode, and it is the pre-race episode for the first race of our 2023 season, the Emily Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. Going to have Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna on, as became tradition last year. And, of course, we have a lot to talk about here with those two guys. We're going to talk about what teams' results have come from testing, what teams maybe have underperformed, overperformed, We'll even delve into a subject that is near and dear to all of our hearts, which is what's the stuff we don't want to hear drivers say anymore? That is a topic we will address on this show, and uh, I promise you'll want to hear how that goes. So, you know, as I mentioned, testing is ongoing, and um, the teams that hadn't gotten an early start on it are hitting the racetrack right now as we make this show. Uh, We are within seven days of the official pre-race test, but these are all kind of private testing sessions that various racers have uh, decided to dive into and schedule on their own. Uh, We know that the force teams have all tested. Bob Tasker III and and his new crew with Tato Kahara and Aaron Brooks tested. We're going to talk to Tony about that. We know the motorcycle teams have tested, and and there are not every team is going to Gainesville, of course. There are teams that have ventured off, uh, maybe not specifically fuel teams, but teams running on gasoline or other fuels have gone off and used other racetrack for preseason testing as well. Lucas Oil drag racing season is off to a flying start. Of course, it began in Orlando, Florida, but Division 7 had themselves a successful race in Arizona. Division 4 had a race last weekend at No Problem Raceway. You can go to NHRA.com to get all the details and updates on those two events to see who was coming out of the gate swinging in hopes of winning a Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series championship. Um, I would assume this will be a week of of relatively slow news. Uh, I don't think we're going to be adding any more major announcements. Uh, Shane Tucker is going to be running the full season of Pro Stock. That is a major adjust announcement. was made as the show uh, was kind of just being put together right now. A company called YourPay from Australia, who's a credit card processing forum, will be sponsoring Shane for the entire season. The release did not mention engine suppliers, so they may be going with their own power. We'll kind of have to catch up with Shane on that one and see how the car is going to be powered this season and what kind of uh, what kind of hopes and dreams they have as it's the first time in a long time we've seen Shane out as a full-timer. Uh, other great news that has been uh, kind of coming across the wire is the uh, you know car counts and entries for the Gator Nationals looking very strong. Uh, pro fields will be full. Pro modified field is looking to have a uh, significant number for the first time in a long time, which is a great sign to get us started. And the reality of the situation is the you know kind of excitement level here is built to a fever pitch, and we've had plenty of time to think about it and talk about it and wonder about it. Hopefully you've been following along on NHRA.com and across our various social media channels for all the different uh, content we've been cranking out, whether it's 
top five or top ten lists, some great kind of walks down memory lane, some of the great analytical reporting being done on NHRA.com by Phil Burgess, Kevin McKenna, Kelly Wade, and others who are contributing content uh, to that site on a, a, a daily basis. They are cranking out there, and they're as excited as the rest of us are to get this season started. Get the Pet Boys All-Star call-out. That is going to kind of move itself to the forefront of conversation this week as we have a uh, media availability coming with the stars of that contest. It'll be their second crack at it. Of course, the top fuel drivers last year uh, had their 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 call-out started and then stopped. The first round was run, and then the second round got run at Indy, uh, where it was run to completion because of the rainout we had in Gainesville. We don't plan on doing that again. We do plan on having a special call-out television show, which we'll be making... Um, last year we did it under duress. We had to go inside the Top Eliminator Club, and it came out so well. We are planning on shooting it inside the Top Eliminator Club again this year. That'll be where the first round callouts are made among the eight drivers who have qualified for that shootout. There's not a whole lot more that has gone on over the last week. Uh, team social media has been really good. Some some great posts from John Force Racing. Some great posts from Tony Stewart Racing. Of course, it was fun for Tony Stewart to see that announcement that he made about running a full season in the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. He just went on a very uh, aggressive and busy uh, media tour. Uh, which took him through all different kinds of television stations, radio stations. Um, He was on all different kinds of electronic media as well, not only promoting the Gator Nationals that are upcoming, of course, but also promoting his full-time, if you will, entree into the world of the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series, competing with the McPhillips family and their A-Fuel Dragster. All that being said, I think we're just going to dive right into our guests here with Tony Pedregon and Kevin McKenna. They'll be waiting for you when we get back here on this NHRA Insider Podcast. It's the Pre-Gators edition. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, we are back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. And, you know, for the first time, this is kind of our preseason testing right now. I mean, the two guys I have on, we're going to have on all season long. We do a lot of stuff with both Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedregon on this show. But for, for the purposes of this, this is our preseason test session, fellas. How are you guys doing? Good. Good morning, Brian. Tony, what's good, cooking? Good morning. This, this is good warm up for us, Brian, to get ready for the season. We can work on the deep voice and uh, just kind of get uh, <laughs> get ready for uh, for some TV. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I think all of us are excited. We've been waiting a long time to actually get to the racetrack, and you know, thankfully, it's been fun to watch uh, and kind of see some results out of testing. And I kind of want to start there. Um, you know, Kevin, is there anybody that you think has been if not more successful uh, or head and shoulders above the rest, did anybody come out of testing that, that even surprised you? Well, it, it's interesting. You haven't publicly seen a lot of numbers released from yeah. testing, although people have generally said, you know, either we're happy or we have work to do. One that recently came out, uh, and this is important because it's a whole new crew, basically, uh, Bob Tasca went a bunch of mid-380s in Gainesville. Uh, I think that's a, a big step. Uh, because that team was a big question mark this year. Yeah. Um, the other one that really went overlooked um, during the sick week event, Jackie Frick came out and made a test run in top alcohol. <laughs> yeah, at sick week at Bradenton. Yeah. At sick week. You know, on radial tire prep, just not, not the perfect conditions, and the car went 511 at 280, which I'm not sure where that ranks, but that's what third, fourth quickest run ever. Yeah, I mean, there's only been what? There's only been two runs in the O's that we know of, right? Or the uh, and Megan made both of those, or Megan Meyer, if 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 only one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the five eleven in a in a injected nitro burning dragster is is rare, rare territory. Yeah, so I, I think we could do a whole an entire show on the top alcohol dragster class with 
Tony Stewart's arrival and everything you're going to see this year. But th- that, that to me w- was kind of like, uh, you know, the firing the first shot of the year. Yeah, and Tony, you know, let's talk. Let's dive a little bit deeper on the Tasca side of things. I had him on the show about a week ago, and and he was actually on his way down there for that test session. And admittedly, he had some pretty high expectations of what he wanted that car to be, kind of doing and, and acting like when they left. And and obviously, these this information about the car being able to rip out some mid three eighties, um, which was not a place it, it really found itself a bunch last year, has to leave Tasca feeling pretty confident. I think at this stage, yeah, I think that was that was a little apprehension. Don't let it fool you. Yeah, but I. You know, I, I think Bob was put in a situation where he had to make a decision, an unexpected decision, real quick. I think he was a little bit blindsided, um, but in a very short amount of time, he did his homework. I, I almost wonder if he had, if he has always had a plan B. You, you wonder if a guy like that that does what he does, that thinks the way that he does, had a backup plan um, because there were times. It, it was a challenging relationship for him a lot of people don't understand behind the scenes what a driver has to go through and how important the chemistry and the compatibility is but you fast forward now and and he really didn't spend a lot of time here in indianapolis uh you know he's he's been state to state all over the country and i think he just relied on some feedback from todd okahar from aaron brooks uh todd's brother scotty so he had to to wrangle up a few crew members, but I think that um, once he did get to the shop for his photo shoot, I think he was more comfortable, but there's no question, when they got to the racetrack, um, you, you got to give them an A, almost an A plus for what they did in testing, and it just goes to show you that, um, you, you, and I, I've said this before, there's only one um, uh, Dean Antonelli, there's only one Jimmy Prop, yeah. there's all, those are like the, those are the Burroughs, the Mahomes, <laughs> those are the those are the quarterback that everybody wants, right? Or the yeah. head coach, depending on how you look at it. Everybody wants those. You're not going to get them. So the best you can do is round up maybe two, even three guys that have the experience, that have the balance, or that can create the balance that one very talented guy like the Dickie Venables might might give you. And and I think in a short amount of time, based on how they tested. They went in there. I think they found some things uh, as it relates to maintenance because, you know, let's face it, the Tasca had a team, and they weren't there all the time. I don't know if there was one time that Mike Neff, and all due respect to Mike, I like him. I, I've known him for 30 years, yeah. but he was never at the shop. So that left all of the workload on John Schaefer, the number two guy, and you know, and I, I think he was overloaded, and and he can only do so much. So I think that Bob is going to learn in time. I think he's already starting to realize that the culture is better. Now time will tell. They will get sure. put through the test. They're going to take their lumps, but uh, very impressive in testing. You expect that from Robert Height, as they did. They ran some eighty threes, um, but I, I just I think there was a little question mark right next to Tasca's name, and I, I think that question mark is slowly becoming an exclamation point. Well, look, I think now that the enough time has passed and maybe the statute of limitations is up, I think we could talk a little bit about that moment of um, Bob understanding that he was going to have to make a, a decision on new leadership for his team. And not to go into too many gory details, but it came, it actually, the whole kind of process, Tony, kind of started with a text message I got, right? And I looked at you and I said, wait, is, is this happening? And then you went and followed up and you said, no, that's not happening. And then two hours later, you said, oh, no, this is happening. I mean, it was a crazy afternoon. 
Yeah, and it's you know it happened that's at that time of year. But I I think I, even I and I'm close to Bob. I'm I'm really close to what they're doing, and and I think I think we we're all a little blindsided. I yeah. think the assumption was that you know they're going to continue, but but you know there again, I I just I've always felt strongly that you know a crew chief and it, and a crew chief that that has driven before. I, I just find it um, a little disrespectful that uh, if if somebody is going to give a good driver advice you better be pretty damn good you know the way i see it i i just i i find it a little disrespectful when you have a driver or rather a tuner that that did that did win some races uh but but i'm going to grade it and gauge it on how you know how good that driver was and, and i just i saw the conflict it, it, within that team you know, it's easy to, to be upbeat when you're winning races. They yeah. won a few races. Very impressive. In the summer when it was warm, didn't do much early, didn't do much late. They were still a couple of hundredths of a second off the pace. Uh, but and, and it didn't rear its head a lot, but, but I could see that uh, internally. And I, I just think some of that pressure is going to be off of Tasca now in the driver's seat. I think you have to let a driver drive. Yeah. And the tuner will tune the car. And there will be times where you'll want to communicate certain things, but we very rarely see a one-lane track. You know, NHRA, yeah. they've gone in and they've addressed that. They understand that it, it's not good for the teams. It's not good for entertainment. And, you know, the lanes are – the drivers still talk about it because they are so um, conditioned to talk about it because the crew chiefs are so uh, uh, critical – about lane choice, when in reality, you can pretty much go down either lane. And then there are some some instances where one area is better than the other. But, you know, I, I just, I, I'm always amazed that these crew chiefs have all of these adjustments at their fingertips, yet still, they still want to tell the driver, well, you, you need to do this, this, and this, because they want every ounce of that performance, because they want to cover their butt. But the driver, some of these drivers, they just want to win. And it's funny because even some of the drivers that are critical about deep staging, well, they all do it. They do it themselves. If they want to get to the finish line first, do what you have to do. But I, I just see some of that pressure being off the bottom now. So let's talk a little bit about the maybe some pressure on a team that didn't have any internal changes and that seems to be delivering on what they were trying to do last year. Uh, we got reports that Steve Torrance and the Capco car have were able to lace out some mid-360s runs down there in Gainesville. Uh, Kevin, what have you heard on that side of things, and uh, uh, can you back me up on that, or is that just hearsay I was getting? Uh, well, I've heard the same thing, so I'm going to assume it's true. And given that team's history, there's no reason to think right. they didn't. Um and I know most of the cars that went to Florida to test, you know, you got some of that good, you know, winter, early spring air. Yeah. Uh, you expect those kind of numbers when you get on a national event surface with, uh, you know, proper prep. Um, you know, that being said, you look at that car, you know, everybody looks at Steve Torrance's 2022 season and says, wow, they struggled. They didn't win. The <laughs> right. but, but towards the end, yeah. that car was. That was as good as any car in the class. Yeah. Um, you know, they were running mid-360s at most of the last. Uh, there's no reason to think they won't pick up uh, exactly where they left off. Um, now, now, I did hear the one rumor. I, I don't know if you shared it. Um, we don't know this to be true, but 
that they're going to run a canopy this year? So my understanding is that is untrue. Uh, so I was I got that in I got that intel, and then uh, I was able to chase that down. And that is to, that is to the best of my knowledge from a direct source with the team, they are not going to run a canopy this year. All right. Well, we we can put that to bed now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, canopy or no canopy, uh, you know, you'd be foolish not to label that as one of the favorites to win the championship this year. And Tony, on that regard, like, is this a situation where we know what that team did? They, you know, they felt like they had something stolen stolen from them in 2017, and we saw that that rage play out over the next four years, where they just went out and donkey stopped everybody. So, is this this? Are we going to see a little bit of that old swagger out of this team, where they come into the 2023 season almost with a little bit of that 2018 mentality of, all right, you're coming through us again if you want to get this done. I think they're going to have the car. I think they're going to have the performance. Uh, we saw them, whatever they were trying and going, jumping back and forth with different combinations. Uh, I think they landed on what would be able to compete with Brittany Force. Yeah. Um, I think there were some times that Steve Torrance wasn't really the Steve Torrance that we're used to seeing. It wasn't the Steve Torrance that won those championships because the, the competition is considerably tougher now, but... Uh, you know, he was shoe shining. I mean, he was he was winning close races. He won some races on hole shots. He did all the things that a championship driver has to do to defend his 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 championships, yeah. which they were his. And I think that he is going to have to get back on track. I, and I'm not real concerned about that because I'm I'd be more concerned with a driver that is consistently in a range where they're good, but not not as good as some of the top drivers like Justin Ashley, Austin Prock, Antron can step it up. I mean, there's a group of drivers that are just in a category by themselves. And I think Steve Torrance is one of those drivers that can compete with anyone on any day. And I think his car is going to be back competitive. And I, you know, if I had to pick somebody to win a championship so early, I would say that Steve Torrance would be my pick. That is uh, that is a bold prediction. I like it. I like where you're going with that. And you know, uh, Kevin, there were rumors that okay, you know, Billy's car was going to get sold, and they were going to cut it down to one. Well, that has not happened to my knowledge, and and I've not heard any other further discussion. And I really haven't for months that Billy would not get back in the seat of a top fuel car. So, um, have you heard anything on the second front? Obviously, that's never going to be a full time car, but it certainly does appear that the equipment is still in their hands. Uh, it, it does. Um, I, I don't know. How often they plan to race the car? Um, you know, he's not on the Gainesville entry list currently, yep. so we could probably assume they're not going to start the season there. But um, you know, again, that, that that is a team that has the means to basically keep a car around. And yeah, when they want to run yeah. it, they can run it. Yeah, yeah. When Billy feels like you know, I, I know that he, you know, he really his first love is still Super Comp, and I would expect him to do a good bit of that. But. Uh, at the same time, I think once you drive a top fuel car, uh, the, the itch doesn't really go away. And, you know, best guess, and, and you know, I'll, I'll repeat guess, is we see him a half dozen, maybe eight times a yeah. year. Yeah, that, that sounds logical to me. And, you know, Tony, I think one of the teams I'm personally placing a lot higher expectation on than I have in past seasons is Clay Millikens for obvious reasons. And, you know, we saw that car once they got some parts, uh, at, you know, at Indy and the Rick Weir thing really came into full swing. Um they picked up now they were still operating i think at 
not an optimal level in terms of equipment and everything through the end of the year. They got some stuff, but now they have all the stuff. They got a brand new car. They got their their fully appointed shop that they're in down there in North Carolina. They have all the the blocks and cylinder heads, probably more than than Clay's had since he raced for the Warner Enterprises car 20 years ago. So am I wrong in, in expecting more out of that team than I have maybe in the last five years? No, I think you're right. I, I, they have everything going for them. The only thing that they do not have going for them is timing. You pick the absolute worst time to try to compete <laughs> for a top field championship. I think, I think ever. I mean, I, um, I think if you know you go back a few years uh, when you didn't have uh, Justin Ashley, Austin Proc, and, and these are bona fide drivers. I think Clay has his moments where he can compete with them. I think he's going to be better. Um, but you know, we know who, I know I, I bet we can, between the three of us and most, you know, people that follow top fuel, I think you could safely pick the top five and that's, I mean, that's leaving out some cars that, I mean, there's, we all know there's 10 cars that, that, you know, that can win races anytime. Um, I think Doug Coletta is going to be one of those drivers that's going to be in the mix, but, uh, I think clay is going to be as good. Uh, you know, the only thing that they needed to work on was consistency, and I think that should improve, you know, based yeah. on the, the depth and the inventory because those things matter. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to be a better team, but, you know, there's there's five guys that it's going to be awful tough for him to be able to compete with. And, Kevin, it's impossible to think that there is another team rolling into Gainesville for the first race of the year with more expectations in place maybe internally and externally than the Coletta team I mean at least for me personally I and it's only because we look at the parts and pieces and we look at how hard they worked last year for for really no no appreciable result but we know now that it's a you know brand new car for Doug the canopy style car fresh chassis fresh everything so you know I, I just can't foresee any NHRA drag racing fan looking at up and down a top fuel entry list and not seeing Doug Coletta and Sean Langdon and thinking it's got to be better than last year yeah, no one I know has been able to offer up a reasonable explanation for why those cars didn't win a race last year. And that's it's that's just, interesting because you're 100% right. I'm not trying to jump on you here, but you're right. That's the one thing that's just floating in the ether. No one's actually come out and said, here's why it happened. Yeah, it, it, it defies logic. So you can only assume that it was just an anomaly, a freak of nature. And you think that that can't possibly uh, extend into year two. You know, you usually pencil those guys in two, three races each. Yep. Um, you know, given the, given the level of competition, maybe it's a little tougher, but, you know, they, they want for nothing. Talent-wise, budget-wise, parts-wise, uh, you know, th- th- those that team checks every box that you need to be competitive. So I, I, I don't see any reason why both of those cars don't win races and aren't, um, once the countdown starts, aren't very alive, in the battle for the championship, it just it, it would shock me if they weren't, even though the competition, as Tony said, is tougher than it's ever been. And, you know, you look at the cars that didn't win races last year, the two Coletta cars, Clay Milliken, uh, Josh Hart, you know, cars that you would think, uh, you know, should win. And, and, and even at that, I think what, we had nine different winners. Yeah. Um, so is it possible that in 22 races we have <laughs> 10 to 12 different winners? Yeah, you, you wouldn't get me to bet against that. 
Tony, what's your take on the Coletta situation? And and obviously we heard some things coming out of Gainesville that that uh, Doug ran again some some nice tight runs in the '60s. So that is again a, a kind of a positive sign. But what's your take on on what we should be expecting out of them coming into the year? Well, I was I was one of the um, I was I was one of the proponents of of especially Doug. You know, I've always thought that hey, Sean Sean Langdon is as good as they come, as good as it gets. Um, it's hard to get a straight answer out of them. You know, I, I think to uh, to Kevin's point, you know, it's like I don't understand what the big secret is. But uh, okay, so so we have to make our observation um, just based off of what we see. And I still see Alan Johnson there. Uh, I think that competition had a little bit to do with it. I think they could have gotten away with a little bit more had the competition been a little bit softer, but. That is not the case. That's not going to happen for a long time because you just have too many. Uh, you have too much talent now. There's there's too many good drivers, and and the cars. I mean, they're all kind of grouped within about a tenth of a second. And yeah. and really, for the most part, you know, I think there's about five or six hundredths of a second that separate like number one. Let's say Brittany or Steve or whoever is going to be that car that's going to that's going to be on the pole most of the time. And and I mean, you can stack them up. They're going to be. They're going to be eight to ten deep that are within five, six hundredths of a second. And, you know, you can play ball. Some of these drivers that know they have to, to be quick off the line, they're, that's what they're going to go to bed Saturday night thinking. That's what they're going to wake up Sunday morning thinking. So I think that um, I, I think that Allen, you know, of course, he had his cylinder head approved. Uh, it will flow a little bit better. Uh, it seems like. I, I'd be real surprised if they didn't run the canopy car, especially if they, they did run 67. But yeah. uh, I, I just think they're going to be there. I, I mean, I think that Doug is going to be really strong. The bigger question mark for me is Langdon. I don't know what changes. I didn't see really any changes in personnel. Uh, but there again, I think Connie makes the final call on that car. Um, yeah, I think the worst thing in the world you can have on any team is a yes man. Even though Connie's the boss, do what he tells you to do. But I think that um, I don't know if there's anyone that challenges that and that, um, you know, has has the commands, the respect to to actually improve the performance of that car. But, you know, I could be wrong. It could be happening. But um, to this point, I, I think that I think that Doug's going to be there, and I think uh, we'll see what the DHL car does. And and to kind of round out the top fuel conversation, Kevin, to, to a name you brought up and another name we haven't brought up yet, you know, Mike Salinas is not a guy we've talked a lot about this offseason, and, and, and maybe that's a good thing. I mean, in, in the scope of in the scope of somebody coming into the year and, and wanting to perform in, in a spotlight and a microscope, um, I'm, I'm not certainly discounting Mike Salinas. And he, of course, had the best season of his life last year. But we've not really included him in a lot of these conversations. And and again, for a guy who I think has the right race car and has certainly proven his ability to drive it, he is certainly somebody that we cannot ignore as far as talking about a championship either. Oh, absolutely. And and I think Mike prefers to be oh yeah the guy <laughs> profile. Um, you know, he he wants to be the the author of the sneak attack where don't pick me to win the championship. Don't make me one of the favorites. Just take take a look at where I am at the end of the. Um, I, I think he prefers to race that way, and you know, a, a year ago that team was the big question mark. Absolutely, they had a major, major crew chief change. We had no idea how it was going to go, and it turned out, I think, better than any of us, including Mike, probably could have envisioned. 
And uh, obviously, he's got a good thing going. And, you know, again, give me one reason why that car shouldn't be right back in the thick of the countdown. Um, of course, it will be. You know, it's, it's, it's almost inevitable. And, Tony, do you think that's a comfortable place for Mike to be in terms of us, you know, really focusing energy on, say, looking at the Milliken team or looking at the Coletta team or seeing what's going to happen with Torrance, you know, placing Mike in that uh, maybe second part of the conversation? Do you agree with Kevin's point that that's kind of where he wants to be in terms of his own personal pressure? Well, sure. I mean, Mike is one of those guys that I don't – it doesn't seem that he really cares to be on camera much. Uh, He gets the job done. Um you know, he's one of the cars that, uh, you know, and I've always felt this, you know, you can hand off a, uh, you can hand off a, a good, a good setup to anyone and, and it'll work. I know that from experience when, uh, when Dickie Venables left, uh, all I had was a notebook. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to call on some guys that I was surrounded with at the time, Tobler, I brought Tony Short all in, but I had a run book. I had a book that told me what to do, and the car actually ran pretty good. And even when Tobler wasn't involved, we got to some final rounds. We should have won some races. So I was surprised that that car was able to maintain the performance that it was. I think that's something that Rob Flynn, uh, you know, there again, I mean, he's been bounced around to almost every professional team out there, yet he landed with Salinas, he had the, the, the book with that. It was like a book with that little string coming out of it, like the Bible. <laughs> and he made it work. And he made it work. And, and I've always felt that you just give some of these guys some time and they're going to put their own signature on it. They're going to try a little of this and a little bit of that. And it really didn't happen. Uh, you know, I think towards the end of the year, um, you know, they weren't really hitting their marks. But I don't see any reason that they couldn't go back to what they were doing. I don't think they're going to change a lot. But... You know, they run Allen parts, and it makes you really wonder, are they going to try the new head? Because that cylinder head does change the way the engine runs. You know, even if it flows better, if it makes more power, then they got to adjust the clutch. They've got to start, you know, changing a few things just to deal with the increase in power. But if they don't change anything, there's no reason that that car won't be competitive and able to win races. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Uh, you know, when the shiny new toy comes out, the new the new parts and pieces, everybody uh, to a degree wants to have the newest, freshest stuff. But if you have a very functional race car that can lay down the type of numbers that you need to actually run, is it is it worth making that investment? And certainly, the, you know, I'm not the question of the quality of the parts. The stuff the stuff's jewelry. Uh, but at the same time, if it causes your whole tune up to get thrown out of whack, that is uh, that's something you have to weigh in on. Uh, you know, Kevin Gage Herrera, uh, great story coming in a pro stock motorcycle event. And Hines, I think he had, uh, if not the single best test session of anybody in drag racing, maybe one of them this year. And again, it was very early on, if you will, when the testing cycle got started. But my goodness, this kid got on that bike and rode the wheels off of it. Yeah. And, and you know, six months ago, uh, the Pro Stock motorcycle class was maybe a bit of a question mark. You didn't really see a whole lot as far as new talent coming in. Uh, there just wasn't. A tremendous amount of buzz around the class well now uh you've got three or four riders new riders coming in all of whom should be competitive um you know you've got gauge obviously on vance and Hines equipment which immediately you know should make him one of the championship favorites and you know th- th- those guys have done enough uh, uh hiring and, and what th- they know what they're getting you know I- i'm sure they knew when they hired him that this was a guy who could get the job done, that we could get him up to speed quickly. Um, and, and obviously that's happened. You know, I, I, I know that uh, 
his first two runs were 670 and 669, uh, both over 200 miles an hour. You know, now, yeah. you know, Matt Smith went 69. I mean, th- th- there were a lot of low 70 runs during the test session, so it's not like he's miles ahead of everyone. But uh, to get on that bike and within a half dozen runs, uh, be, be up to speed, be competitive. Um, you know, I understand technically he is not eligible to be the rookie of the year because he ran six events. Um, but if you're looking for probably the favorite to be the next first time pro winner, yeah. um, th- that's probably where the smart money lies. You know, Tony, we, we got news that Matt Smith uh, has is receiving now factory support from Suzuki, so he will be um, exclusively on a Suzuki motorcycle this year. He'll park the Buell that has been just his trusty sidekick for, for these last several seasons of championships. Um, is it possible in your experience that a guy can kind of sometimes get the golden handcuffs put on him? Like, is this – and I, I mean, listen, I'm never uh, going to say it's a bad idea for a racer to get sponsorship or factory backing, but this is kind of an interesting piece of territory for Matt Smith, who has always had that maverick kind of streak to be able to – including running multiple different motorcycles at the same race. It should be a sigh of relief for everyone else in Pro Stock Bike that he doesn't have the option. He won't have the option to roll that deal out. But, you know, I'll start with with the fact that, um, you know, what NHRA did uh, shuffling the schedule, uh, I know that, uh, Brian, you and I on our on our uh, uh, production call, uh, you know, I didn't realize some of the things that, that some of the benefits that uh, some of the, the effects that we're seeing because of this change. Uh, I think that the, the teams logistically it, it makes sense right it's going to save them a lot of travel taking a couple of rigs a lot of flights that's really the main reason that NHRA did that some cost savings for the teams they they continually want to do that but it's going to work out better for tv uh it's going to shorten the yeah. season it seems like all the teams are are in favor they've uh they've utilized the the additional time um but mostly because the bikes are going to be starting in Gainesville I think they're going to feel a bigger and better part of the program, especially yeah. with all the goings on there. And I think the fact that all this movement in pro stock motorcycle and the fact that they're going to be there, I think, I think it's going to make Gainesville our Daytona 500. And, you know, I'm a, I'm from Southern California. I'm a winter nationals guy, but I don't think you're taking anything away from, from me or anyone else that is so accustomed to having that first race in Southern California. But I think that, we're going to see how good Matt Smith is um, because, and there's no question. I mean, when you hear him talk about the benefits, the upside of Suzuki, I don't think he's concerned. I, I don't, I think that what you said, Brian, how you set that up, that could happen. I don't think it's going to happen with Matt Smith, uh, especially knowing that he has a couple of those same bikes uh, in his, in his pit area yeah. that he can feed off of some information sharing. But um you know, the body work on that Suzuki, the addition of Gage, the testing they've done. Um, I, I think that, you know, Matt, he's in a way, he's had his way with the field. You know, yeah. he had uh, Vance and Hines, they had the performance, but, you know, they had some issues. Um, it was it, just some races that they gave away, a lot of them, not one or two, but I'm talking double digits. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. That's, that's not even going to happen with the Gage Herrera who is uh you know somewhat of a rookie who's somewhat untested but you know if the guy's got talent you're going to win some races and and they're going to put matt smith through the paces so this i think in all the years that matt has won championships this may be one of the biggest tests for him 
Kevin, what have you heard about Hector Rana Jr.'s plans for the year? Obviously, he came in that late race flurry and, and shook the class up something fierce with those back-to-back wins in Dallas and Vegas. But what have you heard about 2023 for him and, and seeing uh, I've heard nothing, although he's on the Gainesville entry list. So I take that as a positive sign. Um, but before we get to that, uh, t- t- Tony's point, um, you know, as far as Matt Smith, the, the class has not totally rid itself of the Red Buell. Chip Ellis is going to be on it for Gainesville, and my guess would be a handful of other races. So the championship bike will still be out there. Um, you know, we'll see how he does. Chip obviously is uh, one of the better riders as far as getting the bike down the track. Um, you know, his Sunday results maybe aren't what you'd expect, but um, it would be hard for me to imagine that bike doesn't qualify top three, and that totally jumbles the field. Um and, you know, back to Matt, I mean, he is the complete package of rider, tuner, engine builder. He's going to find a way to make it work. And the fact that he's already been uh, as quick as the Vanson Hines bike on a Suzuki, uh, I, I don't see anything less than being the championship favorite again this year. Makes total sense. We look at the pro stock category, and, and to me it's the, you know, the big, not even a question mark, it is just going to be, Greg Anderson needs to set a tone for himself or somebody needs to set a tone for themselves at day one, race one to try to establish um, what can, what cannot for this class, they cannot allow the Erica train to pull out of the station at full steam. Somebody needs to stand on the railroad tracks and try to stop that thing in Gainesville before it gets ahead of steam up behind it, Kevin. Yeah, no, it, it for sure. And, um, no, you look at last year, she, she came out and did well in Pomona and then had that horrible stumble in Gainesville. Uh, I would never expect a repeat of that. In, in fact, I, I think Gainesville, if, if you told her she could only win one race this year, Gainesville would probably be the top of the list. And look, even the stumble, uh, even the stumble, which was a very kind of human moment for her, it still had to have made people's blood run cold because the car ran 645. Like she lost while going that, you know, it was it was a pyrrhic victory for the class because yeah, she lost a round, but on the other side, they saw exactly what that thing was capable of. Yeah, and, and honestly, pro stock more than any other class, it's the homework you do in the off season, and you know, obviously, a lot of changes at KB. It's now KB Titan. They've got the partnership with Titan. They've got some new team members. Um, it you won't know until Q one in Gainesville. Uh, who, who aced the test and, and who maybe still has work to do. Uh, I, I would certainly uh, expect that the KB cars uh, as a whole are going to be more competitive than last year. You know, I think that this thing tends to be sort of a pendulum that swings back and forth. You know, one year it's advantage elite, the next year it's advantage KB. And you can't forget the cars that aren't. Um, you know, I would ex- certainly expect a better effort out of the two McGehee cars this year. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's pro stock is so hard to handicap. It's so much more of a mystery. Um, but you know, the one thing that's not hard to handicap is Erica's driving, which continues to be some of the best in the class ever. Um, so that's, you know, that's another thing that the rest of the field has to contend with. You know, all you really need to do is give her a car that's within two or three hundredths of the leaders and she's going to do the rest. 
That's a fact. I want to I want to move into the funny car category quickly here. And and Tony, you know, we've seen obviously the Tasca team's been out testing. Hagen's car has gone out and run well. Height's car has gone out and run well. Um, it does seem as though Cruz and Ron Caps are both going to just use the the couple days leading up to the Gator Nationals as their only test session. Am I right about that with Cruz? I know that Ron has told me personally that they are just going to use those first couple of days. But is uh, is Cruz going to do the same? They are, and, you know, with good reason. You look at what they did at the last race. I mean, people are still talking about that, and there's no question that, um, that that's just, you know, you, you don't you don't produce that kind of performance and not expect to win races. And But what that does is that shifts the pressure. You know, one thing that a driver always wants is they just, you know, they just tell themselves, just give me a good car. I just want a car that performs, that runs. And when you get that, now the pressure shifts to Cruz. It shifts to the driver. And, you know, he's and he pulled through. You know, he went toe-to-toe with those guys. And we saw Cruz out of sync over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I don't think he had the confidence in the car. But, you know, he's been in that situation so many times. He's had good cars. He's had lousy cars. Uh, they've got a good team. They're bringing Lee Beard back. Um they're going to be very formidable. I think they can compete with those top three cars because we know that they're not going anywhere. Um, but but I and I think they have the confidence. And of course, they didn't change much. They're probably going to be testing their backup car, putting some runs on. You know, maybe on that last day because you have uh, I think Monday, and you definitely have Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and I think the same could be said about Caps. I don't think they're changing a lot. And uh, it's just a matter of they freshen a lot of their inventory up. And, you know, we talk a lot about the offseason. There really isn't much of an offseason. These guys have really been in the shop every day. And I heard someone say that, you know, there's actually more work. They do more work uh, because it's all the detail. They, yeah. they go over every cylinder head. They go through the inventory, the superchargers. So much um, uh, attention is paid to the superchargers, the end frames, the clearances, and, um, you know, once they get up and going, it's just a matter of, of maintenance. So uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be alarmed, you know, if I was Cap, if I was Cruz. Um, you know, when I mentioned the cylinder head, one of the changes that I, I heard that Tim Wilkerson was going to make, and, and I hate to correct this, I know he's on the cover of National Dragster, but I just don't consider it a new team. If you're bringing back the same driver, yeah. the same tuner, the same crew, that's not a new team. Now, there are a lot of other things that are new. The car looks differently, but, you know, they're bringing on new sponsorship. Uh, you know, I don't know how the ownership is structured. If, it, if Joe Maynard owns the team, he owns the team. And Tim will be working for him. But it's going to be the same car. It's, it's going to be the, the LRS car in disguise. It's a great-looking car. But, you know, you're, I think he's going to have the same challenge that, you know, some of the top fuel drivers are. Try to compete with those top five guys. You have to have a good car, and you also have to improve what you've been doing on the starting line, your car control. You know, there's those are the things that I think that, um, you know, that would make Tim Wilkerson better and put him back in the winner's circle because we know that he had a, he had a car that was capable of winning a couple of times last year. All right, so the last topic I want to broach with you guys is this. Uh, I want at least one thing that you do not want to hear uh, come out of a driver's mouth or a crew chief's mouth in 2023, and I will gladly uh, lead the charge on this one. Uh, the one thing I don't want to hear anybody <laughs> say this season, it doesn't matter who's in the other lane. That is the grandest lie 
in in uh, drag racing and humanity uh it doesn't matter who's in the other lane means that we should just be running singles all week long and that's how we should determine the winner of the drag race it of course matters who's in the other lane you of course know who is going to be and you of course know what you're probably going to need to do to beat them so please for the love of god don't look into a camera <laughs> and tell me that it does not matter who's in the other lane because if it didn't we'd have boxing matches with a single guy in a ring punching himself in the face and that's not how it works don't say it Right, Kevin. Right. I agree with that. It's going to be awful hot in hell if they start <laughs> lying about that. I agree 100%. Kevin, give me one. You know, I don't want to hear anybody tell me that the sport's best days are behind it and that the Gator Nationals isn't the biggest, most important event on the calendar, with the possible exception of Indy. What, with Gainesville leading the charge this year being the season-opening event, Everybody wants to put their best foot forward. Everybody wants to get off to a hot start. Um, you have pretty much every class they run down there, including things like factory stock and pro mod. And it is, you know, that race is going to set the tone for the entire season. Um, you've got also got the Pet Boys call out again. Um, it, it's not an exaggeration to call that, you know, the biggest, most important drag race on the planet. You got Tony Stewart doing a media tour through Florida. You got you got national press conferences. We've been doing it. We're going to be doing all week long down there. We yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. It is it is massive in every single sense of the word and gets us off 100 with a, a jet pack on our backs this year. All right, Tony, give it to me straight. Okay, I'm going to have a couple of honorable mentions, <laughs> but I'm and this is this is tough because there's a lot of them that I don't want to hear. But the one I'm going to go with. I don't want to hear I'm excited. At what point, at what point are they going to realize that, you know, that was John Force's phrase and and it's it's used up, it's played out. At what point are most of the drivers going to realize that we know you're excited? You know, the rule of thumb in media training, and everyone's had it, is don't just tell us you're excited. Tell us why you're excited. In yeah. fact, that's what we want to hear. Just imagine a family sitting at home watching our show for the first time and hearing I'm excited 29 times. <laughs> I just don't want to hear it. And my honorable mention is uh, A-game, okay? I mean, <laughs> we, we get it. I'm pretty sure you weren't bringing, although it did appear they brought their E game, not their A game. And, you know, one last thing. Don Pernome sat on the SEMA stage, Brian, and told you that it's disgusting to see these drivers get out of the car and hug each other. It is not a good look. It's entertainment. You want more sponsorships? Be better on TV. Quit hugging at the end of the track. I see somebody's in mid-season form already. <laughs> Yeah, Tony, we've often had the conversation. I agree with you 100%. I don't need people, you know, swinging chairs at each other like it's the WWF. Um, but I also, I think that intensity of a win and a loss is is a big time thing. And you can be respectful and you can be a, a sportsman, but the, uh, you know, throwing your meat hooks around somebody at the top end after they just slapped you around in front of 30,000 people doesn't necessarily convey, uh, to me anyway, a very high level of intensity. And, and I often go back to this idea that, if I'm a fan of a driver and I paid whatever, I paid a hundred dollars to have their, you know, official crew shirt on and I got their little pennant and I got their hat on and I'm sitting there and all I want to see them do at this event, I've spent a lot of my hard earned money to be at is win. 
and they go out yes. and get and get knocked around and they lose in the first round, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be deflated. You're my guy. I, I, I can't imagine how bad that would feel. You think, oh, man, this guy must be crushed. And then he gets out and is like and is and has got his arms around the, the driver, the man or a woman that just that just beat him. And it's kind of like confusing, I think, for a fan. And again, it's not like we want everybody. And listen, I wouldn't hate it uh, if some some tempers flared, and I think they will this year, as they tend to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is the it doesn't need to be feel good, happy time down there at the top of the racetrack. In my humble opinion. Hey, and Kevin, and Kevin, just for that comment, I don't want yep. to hear a driver say it's a marathon, guys. It's not a marathon. It's a sprint. It's a series of sprints. So when you get your butt kicked, just roll something else out. Just tell us how you're feeling. Throw something. Just give us something different, but stop saying it's a marathon, guys. It's a damn sprint. It's sport that is anything but a marathon. In fact, it's quite opposite. Listen, one of the reasons I respect J.R. Todd so much, the guy's a very intense competitor, and he wears it on his sleeve. We saw what happened to Brander last year. The thing's on fire. He's still got his foot in it trying to win the round. You know, gets out and, and, and has a couple of gloves flying. We need so much more of that type of stuff, that overt intensity and that, that display of the intensity involved out here that I'll take it any way I can get it, but that is, I think he has a fan base because of his intense way that, that he approaches the sport and what how he feels, give or take, win or lose. We saw Bobby Bodie's fan base increase exponentially after he blew the thing to smithereens in Houston and, and everything he could get his hands on went flying. Um, you know, this is the type of stuff that people get attracted to and this is the type of stuff that builds builds characters and builds storylines. So, yeah, I cannot uh, cannot say enough about that, that point, Tony. Well, and, and I think just a, a final word on that is you, you you know, we always point the, the level of competition, especially in top fuel, you're going to have a lot of frustration because I think you're going to have a lot of teams that show up with what Tony would say, your A game, right? That mean, the car runs well, you, you do everything you're supposed to do and you don't get the result you want. Um, th- there's plenty of times that you're going to qualify well, run well, and still get it handed to you first round. Yeah. And h- how do you not be frustrated and probably vent that frustration you know yeah verbally physically or otherwise i want to see it i want to see it i want to understand it. i want to feel it that's that's the that's the the bottom line yeah i mean for for a lot of these guys it's just a matter of of luck and uh you know it's easy to get frustrated when luck doesn't go your way when you you know you lose three or four races by a combined you know few thousands uh it's gonna happen tony and kevin thank you you very much for taking you show me a good loser show me a good loser i'll show you a loser (laughs) amen to that that's all they have to remember fellas thank you so much for taking the time i will see both of you next week at the amelie oil nhra gator nationals i think we got the table set here and listen there was a lot of stuff we never touched on didn't touch on antron brown's chances this year which are very good tony stewart there are so many stories coming into this year we'll all be telling them when we get to gainesville next week as always thanks fellas see you soon And we'll be back with more from the NHRA Insider Podcast right after this. And welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast. Now to put my final thoughts together and really kind of get ready for the NHRA Emily Oil Gator Nationals. What is going to be so fun about this race is we've been waiting for it to come for months. We've talked about it all offseason. We've interviewed drivers. Of course, you heard from Tony and Kevin today to give their impressions of what we maybe should be expecting, what expectations we should have on what teams. And really, the excitement level is off the charts for this event. 
There will not be an NHRA Insider podcast next week because I will not be here to make one. I will be at Gainesville for the preseason test session, which will happen in the first couple days of the week, and then we'll get right into it with the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series competitors on Thursday, and we will run it to completion until we get done on Sunday. We got the Pep Boys All-Star call-out for Top Fuel coming as well as the season debuts of all these different cars and people. As we're making the show, Shane Tucker announced that he'll be running a full season of NHRA Pro Stock with a company called Your Pay from Australia. They're a credit card processing company. It's been several years since we've seen Shane out as a full-time competitor in Pro Stock, which moves our car count in that category to, I believe, 16 or now 17 full-time cars, which is going to create storylines all their own throughout the year. So we are finally at the point where the NHRA Gator Nationals are around the corner. If you don't subscribe to NHRA TV. You probably want to get that done and uh, you can catch all the early runs. You'll be able to watch qualifying and certainly uh, you'll be able to see sportsman qualifying as I'm trying to say. We have a great slate of shows coming on NHRA on Fox, both FS1 and Fox Broadcast Network on Sunday. Check your local listings for times and it will be an appropriately massive kickoff to the 2023 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing season. Thanks to Tony Bedragon, thanks to Kevin McKenna and thanks to you for watching and listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast I'm Brian Loans, and the next time you see me, I'll be yelling at you through the TV set. Thanks for watching. We'll be back again after the Gator Nationals to catch up on all the big storylines when the season officially begins.